everybody, and welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. I'm Don Helbig alongside Ryan Sir. Episode number 56. This is going to be a great episode. I think you're going to be interested in the topics that we have tonight to talk about. Ryan, how have you been? I've been great. Um, I'm all caffeinated up and uh, ready to do this. It's uh, We've had some good weather here in the 70s the last two days, which is a great from the 90 degree heat, great break from the 90 degree heat that we've had for the past several weeks. How you been? Doing well. You know, you talk about the break from the heat. I went to the Cincinnati Reds game last night, and, you know, instead of the 80s and the 90s, it's 71 degrees. There's, you know, kind of with the wind and everything like that, it was a little chilly walking there. I'm still in my shorts and my Hawaiian shirt, and it kind of depressed me a little bit knowing that the fall weather and then the winter weather just around the corner, not a fan of it. Well, I mean, you could think of it that way, or you could take the glass half full approach and just pretend like you're going to a Reds World Series game in October, which would also be much cooler. You didn't think no, about that, go. did You're you? Right. <laughs> no, I didn't think about that, especially the way the pitching's been lately. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, for those of you who are here, welcome once again. Uh, we, you can find the video version, which is an actual live video, um, live recorded. We're not, we don't broadcast live. That'd be absurd. But uh, <laughs> a live video on uh, on YouTube by searching for the Attractions Group podcast. Uh, you can search for us on all, all your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, by again, searching for the Attractions Group podcast. Follow us on X slash Twitter slash whatever they call it next at Attractions underscore GRP. Um, and make sure that if you are a Kings Island fan, as many of you I'm sure are, that you are checking out our second podcast, which is Tower Topics. Uh, that can be find this, found the same way by searching for Tower Topics and YouTube and your favorite podcast apps. It's little miniature bite-sized episodes all about Kings Island and individual kind of like thinner sliced uh, topics associated with the thing. So, Don, it's another sequel episode. What do we got going on today? It is. We are in the midst of the announcement season. There's still more to come. We started to cover that last week uh, with what had been announced already. And this week we have four more uh, announcements that have been made over the last five or six days. Uh, so let's get to it. Uh, we'll talk first Mason, Ohio, where Kings Island announced they'll open an area called Camp Snoopy in 2024. Uh, work begins this fall. So if you're going to the park for the Halloween season and then Winterfest, you know, you might see some work going on back there in Planet Snoopy. The Peanuts themed adventure play space. And feature a brand new family boomerang roller coaster by Vacoma mm -hmm. uh, that races both forward and backward. And Beagle Scout Acres. It's an area where kids can run, crawl, play, or relax with the family in a shaded, comfortable space. You know, Ryan, I think this is an outstanding addition for Kings Island. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that I had the same logic as everybody else where it was like, okay, we're due for either Water Park or Planet Snoopy. Because both of which had been not added to and you know, five years or so at this point. Um, and the rumor going around, and I think that it was like a pretty logical rumor was that it was going to be uh, a coaster similar to the one that was installed at Canada's Wonderland uh, in their Planet Snoopy area, uh, which from what I understand is a pretty big hit. Uh, but the fact that we got a Vacoma family boomerang coming, that exceeded my expectations. That That's awesome. That ride looks really fun. Um, and then the play area, yeah, you know, that kind of reminds me of... Um, Back in the, I mean, for me, I would say that, uh, you know, we had Hanna-Barbera Land when I was really little. Um, and then when I got to be a little bit older, it was uh, Nickelodeon Central, which turned into Nickelodeon Universe, which got taken over by, you know, by Snoopy. But Nickelodeon Central 
was always the one that I always thought was the best because there was a bunch of rides there, but there was other stuff that kind of fit the theme. There's like, you know, the erupting tower and all that. This is like, uh, it, it's, you know, it's Camp Snoopy. So it's summer camp themed. And it looks like it's going to have like the green pastures and like places to crawl through. And um, they, they didn't really elaborate too much on this yet, but they're going to have activities. So you can become a Beagle Scout, uh, which sounds really fun. I, I'm, I'm very interested as to what those activities are going to be. But um, yeah, I mean, they announced good gravy a week before and then here we are getting one in our own backyard what do you think you know like i said i think it's a great addition and what i'm really excited about is you look at you know the theming that cedar fair has done not only at king's island you know when you look at adventure port and some of the other parks uh you know look at the new area that cedar point has this year uh you know it makes me very excited about what that area Camp Snoopy is going to look like when the park opens next year. I completely agree. And you know what? To me, I think that the Camp Snoopy area is way better looking than the Planet Snoopy area at Cedar Point. Um, because, mainly because there's more to do with. Because it, although it is Planet Snoopy, you, it would imply that it's space-themed, but it's not. It's more like Planet as in everything Snoopy. So with the camp, there's like, we can have like the canoes and the kayaks and the, the, the campers and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. There's just more stuff to play with. And it seems like that that's the direction they're going to be going with this. I would say um, A-plus announcement, sorely needed. Um, I think that's really cool. I, they, they mentioned in the press release that there's going to be like shaded areas and stuff. Number one thing that Planet Snoopy needs right now is more shade. It's very open. It's very concrete. Uh, and this is going to take care of that for a big swath of Planet Snoopy. So very, very exciting with that. All right, Ryan, what's next? Yeah, so um, sticking with the Cedar Fair chain, uh, Dorney Park, our friends up in Pennsylvania, uh, they're going to be opening Iron Menace. Uh, and that is a B&M dive coaster. It's going to be opening in you know the spring of 2024. Uh, the park's newest roller coaster. Uh, and it's actually the first new roller coaster to open there since 2005. Um, so they, they've had actually a Vacoma boomerang, not, not what we're going to Kings Island, old boomerang that has come and gone since then. Uh, you know, they got stinger and, uh, that was the, the invertigo model forwards, backwards facing really cool ride. I really like those rides, but that actually came and went in between the time of them getting a new coaster and then opening another brand new coaster. They had a relocation come over and be torn down. Um, but speaking of which, this ride is kind of going in the approximate location of where Stinger was. Um, it is a dive coaster. Um, one thing that is unique about it, though, uh, that is not not similar to other dive coasters, is there's two. For, first of all, there's no mid-course brace, brake section, so there's only one dive, which I've seen arguments for and against it because it does take away an element. But at the same time, it does improve the pacing of the ride, which actually was probably going to be a net positive for them. And two, there is no turnaround at the top of the lift hill. Almost every other dive coaster, except for one in Europe, has a turnaround. So you go up the hill, you make the right-hand turn, another chain holds you, and then it drops you. This one, is, from what I'm understanding, it's the way it works, is it takes you to the top, and it's the same chain mechanism that's going to hold you, and you're going to go straight down, just like any other hyper giga coaster anything like that so what do you think about these dive coasters i like them you know especially if they're in the right part of the park you know you look at cedar point without raven you know and you look out and you see you know the lake and everything out there uh so yeah i like them i, I think the setting you know with the park you know you get a nice view uh you're not up there long before you dive down but uh you know they're fun they're rewritable yeah and um so 
this is, uh, it's not a short one. It's 160 feet tall, which is very respectable, uh, 64 miles an hour, and it has a beyond vertical drop. Now, that does intrigue me because, especially like Maverick at Cedar Point, that first drop, that first hill is such an incredible effect, especially in the front row where you can't see the track below you. Like, I don't think from a sensation standpoint, it's going to make that big of a difference. But if you're in that front row of that floorless B&M train and you're leaning over the edge, you do not see the track. You just see the track at the bottom. So I think that's going to be really, really neat. But yeah, this uh, the theme of the ride actually has to do, it, it's kind of like, um, it's like an industrial theme, almost like the, the Steelers <laughs> Country thing, you know, where you know, Steelers Country at Kennywood uh, is, is about the, the Steelers football team, you know, the bad guys. Uh, but uh, it, it also, but the Steelers team themselves is paying tribute to the steel industry in Pittsburgh. Uh, so therefore it inherently takes it up. But this is kind of like a direct theme where it's the industrial like rust belts that is Pennsylvania. And I, I think it's a perfect theme. Yeah, it's a great fit. I think it's a great addition. You mentioned, you know, the first new roller coaster since 2005. That's when Hydra opened. It's going to be their eighth roller coaster. That's something that, uh, you know, the the guests that are regulars at Dorney Park, you know, they've been asking for years for a new roller coaster, and they're going to get one, and they're going to get a good one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be good. The dive coasters, um, you know, a lot of enthusiasts think they all do the same thing, and you can't argue with that. But the fact of the matter is, it's it looks great. It's great. No, I'm going to disagree with that. I've been on the ones, you know, at the Bush Gardens, you know, Tampa, Bush Gardens, Williamsburg, you got Cedar Point. I felt they all were unique in their own way. I didn't think, you know, I've ridden one dive coaster, I've ridden them all. I think they've they've all had their own uh, uniqueness, something that made them, you know, stand out from the others. No, no, I, I completely agree with that. And, and a testament to that is the fact that some are better than others. You know, if they if it was Vacoma SLCs, who cares? It's the same ride. But I'm saying like... um you know, the, the dive elements. What we need to do is we need to have a giga that's a dive coaster and then people will stop complaining. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I'm not trying to put this down whatsoever. I think it's fantastic. And I, I think that like, for example, for example, Val Raven at Cedar point is terribly underrated. Um, the ride experience itself is top notch, but the best part of that ride is when you're hanging over the edge and you can see for about 10 miles out the Lake Erie. I think we discussed this on the episode mm -hmm. about Cedar point. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Um, but to your point, though, there are elements of this ride that they, you know, they haven't had on a dive coaster yet. So I guess I'm kind of uh, when I say that the consensus uh, and that's a minor consensus is that they're all very similar. Um, I think that they're very much breaking this mold, especially with this ride. You know, they did the first 95 degree drop with Diabolic, Dr. Diabolical down at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. But this one has like the sideways loop that that loop that's at about a 45 degree angle or so. I've never seen that before on a dive coaster. How cool is that? You know, very, very cool. You know, I'm for this you know, excited for Dorney Park. And it's the team there. Very excited for the coaster enthusiast in the Pennsylvania area. And I think that it's going to get a lot of attention. And I think that. It's it's a reason to go to Dorney Park next summer. You know, to be honest with you, Don, I have never been to Dorney Park, but I think this is my calling. Um, I'm gonna have to make a, a lot of Pennsylvania, a lot of Pennsylvania road trip. Uh, you know, hit Kennywood and Waldemere and Dorney, and yeah, the might as well Hershey, sh Park. Hershey Park. Might as well shoot up to Six Flags, New Jersey. You know. <laughs> Well, you're right there. I mean, why not? You know, so that's uh, certainly on my bucket list next summer is to hit all those parks. So 
you know, but again, like I said, just very excited for for everybody involved in this. Um, the theming looks great. Love the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't wait to ride it. Yeah, very, very exciting. What else is coming? Well, during a live stream event Monday, Silver Dollar City, they revealed Fire in the Hole is set to get a major upgrade. Uh, now, they had announced at one you know, point that this was the last year for it, so uh, it was, but it wasn't. Uh, the story and the name of the attraction will not be changing, but everything else will. As when Fire in the Hole reopens, it will be the largest indoor coaster in the heartland. The coaster experience with a powered incline and gravity descent including three drops and a quick splash landing promises a thrilling ride. This sounds outstanding, Ryan. What are your thoughts? Um, I think we called it along with everybody else, because when they announced that fire in the hole would be closing, uh, we were skeptical. Uh, I think that we both agreed that fire in the hole as we knew it would be closing, but I am surprised that it's next year. I thought there would be a whole year in between, which would have been a real bummer for for Silver Dollar City, because I, I haven't been to Silver Dollar City, but you know, uh, being a, a gold pass holder to to Dollywood, I know the value of Fire in the Hole, which is essentially identical. I freaking love that ride, and if they had to close it for a year, that would affect my decision to go. You know, I, not to sound petty or anything, but I I just truly do enjoy that ride so much that it would be a real downer. So it's so cool that they're gonna like. Get this thing taken care of. Uh, they're working with Rocky Mountain Construction. I think you might have mentioned that. Um, and, I, you know, new themes. I, it's still going to be fire themed. Did you see, uh, I saw a lot of people referring it to referring to it as Fire in the Hole 2. Is that the official name or are they just calling it Fire in the Hole? Fire in the Hole was what I've seen. I think it's just being referenced as that maybe on social media by by some people. But, you know, I think they did a great job. I, I watched the announcement uh, that they did live and, you know, People were excited and, and for good reason. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent about um, Blazing Fury at Dollywood because that's not exactly the same thing, but I could talk for hours about how much I enjoy that ride. That's to, like, if I were you, that would... You and I both. Yeah, well, I mean, it's my, you, you really enjoy the carousels and stuff, and I do too, but Blazing Fury, uh, it's funny, our, our friend Brandon at um, Theme Park Predictions did a, a ranking of all the uh, the Dollywood roller coasters and he put that way close to the bottom because he's a thrill ride guy and i almost texted him saying he wasn't my friend anymore because i couldn't disagree with them more um that is a top three at dollywood for me uh silver dollar city has a fine assortment of rides um but i would bet you dollars to donuts it would be a top three there as well it's just such a joy it's such a throwback um the animatronics are just fun enough uh, and it has just a little bit of a thrill. It's great to ride with like friends and family and stuff. I, I got a, a nephew that's five. I rode it with him for his first time. He call, he, he, he calls it Blazing Fury now, but he used to call it Bridge Going Down because that part where the bridge falls, you know, for, for Blazing Fury. Um, but, you know, it, but the fact that they're redoing it, you know, that means it's going to be updated. That's going to mean it's going to have new animatronics, new effects, whole new track system, um, the way that they're describing it, it sounds like it's not going to follow the exact same path and stuff. Uh, I can't guarantee that because I don't think we have that much information. But let me ask you this, Don. So from your experience in managing PR, I've always wondered about this marketability because it's got to be the most difficult thing in the world to to communicate out that you have a new ride. It's called uh, Fire in the Hole. 
I know you know a fire in the hole from us. This isn't the same fire in the hole. So come to the park to ride fire in the hole. Is is that a difficult message to get out? And how do you think that they're, they're going to handle that when people see the advertisement and they're going to assume that they had already ridden fire in the hole? Like, how would you handle that, that messaging? Well, I think they've, they've handled it the right way. I think, you know, they've come out and they've said from the start, you know, it's, you know, the similar in the name, but that's where it stops, you know, that it's a whole new experience for you. And, you know, they, they put out their, you know, kind of painting the picture for what the experience is going to be. So I think they've done a good job with that. Um, that's just what they got to focus on is just the new elements of it, that the name's familiar, but the rest of it from that point on, it's different. You just do it that way. And you just have to maintain that over the next several months until it reopens and just make sure that story is being told that, you know, it is reimagined. It's, uh, you know, got a lot of new elements to it. Uh, it's going to be a totally different experience for guests. You know, they've not ridden this version of it before. And I think you just do it that way. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I would think that it, there would still be challenges associated with that messaging now. Oh, there will be. I mean, there'll be some of it. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be that. And, you know, you just do the best you can with it, but you want to keep calling out what's new about it and make sure that that is at the forefront of your storytelling about this new attraction for next year. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, I, and I honestly think that if you're good at the messaging and you can get that message out, it can be very effective because there's a way to convey in both advertising and in uh, public relations that it's, this is fire in the hole, but you have to see it, the new fire in the hole. Yeah. You know. And you want to show during the, the course of construction, you know, what's different about it. You know, you can do those side by side things. Here's what was here before. Here's what it looks like now. You know, it's different things like that, too, you know, throughout the winter when you're trying to promote, uh, you know, the ride by showing the different, you know, construction updates that parks do. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of work ahead of them for that. But a question for you. Yeah. You know, we saw it last week with the announcement, you know, where we have Top Thrill 2 reimagined, mm -hmm. you know, with that, this one reimagined and that. Do you like that when you take something that's existing and you reimagine it? Or would you just want to see everything get bulldozed down and you start from scratch? Mm. That is a loaded question because I would need context because I feel like let's use Flight of Fear as an example, whether it's King's Dominion or King's Island. I love that ride because I think that is such a unique experience. Uh, the ride experience is like a six or seven out of 10. So it's passable, but the whole theme and stuff is a 10 out of 10 for a seasonal park. So if you came to me and you said, all right, Ryan, we can do this. We can either have flight of fear two, and we can update the theming and we can have a launch an LSM launch in this case. And we'll put some new elements inside the spaghetti bowl and, and so on. I would totally prefer that over bulldozing it. But at the same time, when we're talking about like an arrow looper or something, I mean, what can you do? But with that being said, though, I, I like the sequel idea. I like how it, we're not, you know, trampling on the past. Fire in the Hole is Silver Dollar City. It, it's the foundation of of what the park was and, and what it's become. It's because of that ride and they're not losing that they're improving upon it. So I think there's something to be said about that personally. Um, yeah. So I would say that as a blanket statement in situations like fire in the hole, absolutely blazing fury. Absolutely. Um, for some of the newer stuff, I mean, if it's just a coaster, I, I hate to say that because no coaster is just a coaster, but if there's nothing 
elementally like super unique about it that can't be reproduced, um, then do some new ideas. But in this instance, I they absolutely made the right idea or made the right choice. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my feeling on it too. If you can improve upon what's currently there, you know, why not do that? Because a lot of these attractions, you know, they do have a following. They're part of people's, you know, memories. It might have been somebody's first job. All those kind of things, you know, play into it. So yeah, you want to keep that around if you can, if you can improve upon it. Um, so yeah, I think when when you can do that. I'm in favor of the refurbishment. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So uh, America is not the only place where they're adding new attractions. And this is cheating, but Canada's Wonderland. They're adding Moosehorn Falls. Um, Moosehorn Falls is a uh, it's a boomerang water slide. Uh, so essentially you go down a hill, you go up like a wall. I've always heard them referred to as a wall, like a like a pro slide wall or something. Uh, but anyway, uh, it does boomerang, so that's fair too. But it goes up the wall, it loses momentum, and it comes back backward, and that's kind of the, the you know the essence of the slide. Um, I think that's really cool. It looks like the the mall's gonna the wall. So Don wrote this news article, and it's uh, thirteen meters tall because you had to do meters since we're in Canada, right? I did. I did. I wanted uh, to see if I could get you on that. Yeah, you thought I was gonna say thirteen feet, which would make be not tall enough. So now I've got to do the math. 13 meters to feet because for our American audience out there, so it's 42 feet, 7.811 inches, which you should have just said instead of, uh, now for a water attraction, that's, that's pretty sizable there when you're talking about 42 feet. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the cool part is, is you got to remember the physics behind it. You go down the hill, you go up, you lose momentum. So that means your body is going to continue to move upward. So you talk about the sensation of airtime. There you go right there. Sometimes water slides are really kind of underrated as far as their um, their theme appeal, but these are really popular. And I know that like in Dubai and places like that where they have like the crazy water parks, these are some of the ones that they always have. Sometimes they have multiples of them. But uh, Canada's Wonderland's been on a roll. I mean, when we mentioned the 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 Snoopy coaster that they added last year, and now this. Uh, I know that Canada is reputationally very cold but it's very muggy there in the summer so their water park is probably yeah, i was gonna say you don't you don't think water parks when you're, you're thinking canada you always think cold but you're right it does have uh you know those muggy humid summers there um you know this is an attraction that's going to be both fun and thrilling you can do it together with family and friends uh there's just a lot to like about it i i completely agree uh, so Don, you know, I hate to bring up Dollywood again, but there's some cool news coming out of Dollywood too. Not a new ride announcement. They're, they're redoing the, 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 the Dolly Parton museum. Uh, they haven't announced anything about that except for that. It's happening. They announced that last year. We'll, we'll certainly cover that once it becomes official, but what's the news out of Dollywood? That's pretty cool. Well, the news out of Dollywood is amusement today is pleased to announce that the 2023 golden ticket awards are prepared to welcome the amusement industry on September 8th and 9th. So that's just around the corner uh, there in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, at the award-winning Dollywood. Uh, registration is now open, as is the availability to make reservations at the Host Hotel, Dollywood's Dreammore Resort. And if you've never gone to the Golden Ticket Awards, I highly recommend it. It is like, you know, uh, the Oscars, you know, the Academy Awards. Um, just a great time, you know, a lot of... Uh, you know, the industry 
all the parks represented for the most part there. Uh, just just a great, great experience and, and just a fun evening. They do a phenomenal job amusement today putting this event on every year. And the fact that it's, you know, Dollywood here. So from where we're located in the greater Cincinnati area and for a lot of people that listen to our podcast, you know, you're only four or five hours away. Uh, so you, you should try to, to make an effort to do this, uh, but make sure you register now because it's not going to be open much longer for registration. Now, you, you mentioned that there's a host hotel, which is obviously the Dream More Resort. Uh, is the award ceremony at the Dream More Resort? Because I remember the last time they hosted. No, it's in the park. It's, it's in the park itself. Yeah, probably the at the Celebrity that, Theater. Yeah. I think that's where it's been in the past. Yes, it's, uh, it's, it's in there. Uh, but you want to make those reservations to stay there, you know, at the Dollywood Dream More Resort. You know, why... Why not just stay in the area, right? You know, right on property there, right? Yeah, and uh, so I can attest. Uh, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse because we did an episode about Dream War, but uh, the girlfriend and I st- stayed at Dream War uh, in the spring. Uh, it was very early season, um, which I, I the, probably the most unique thing was that it was March and they had the pool open, and it wasn't cold, but it was like in the seventies, and there were still people swimming. Which there's a whole like line of jokes that I always think about with that about how. You know, you got people in February and in Florida where it gets down to like 56 degrees some days, but the family's still swimming because they're on vacation and damn it, they're going to swim, you know, but uh, yeah, uh, they, they were still a lot of people swimming. But I, I tell you what, um, I, I can't say this enough because it, as you visit Dollywood, you have more and more of an appreciation for Dolly Parton <laughs> herself. Um, you know, she's kind of a figurehead of Dollywood, but she's also one of those people that everybody can agree upon. No matter what your your race, your your religion, your political background, whatever, you Dolly Parton is, is, is she's an institution, she's an icon, and they have that legacy box that's in the lobby, and the legacy box is a recording of her her song. It's her final song. That's what she wants her to be her legacy, and uh, she has instructions not to open it until what <laughs> will be her one hundredth birthday, so January of. I think it's 2043 or, or so. Yeah, she's seven. I want to say she's 77 now, so 23 years from now. Yeah, so that box um, is there. It's on display along with, uh, you know, some you know, signage explaining it. But nobody really knows what's in there as far. They know it's a song, but they don't know. It's like, is it a USB stick? Is it a CD? Is it sheet music? Um, people have said they know, and then people have backpedaled on it. So it'll be very interesting. I don't know if there's footage of her putting it in or anything like that. Um, but that's a that's a cool little quirk of the Dream War Resort. Um, fantastic amenities. You imagine twenty three years or whatever down the road, when this gets opened up, you know, with the technology, you know, how it changes all the time. You know, whatever that's on, are you still going to be able to find a way to play it? That would always be a concern of mine. I was actually thinking that as I was saying it. Um, but the thing though is, if we if we got like a floppy disk from nineteen eighty five. Like a, one of those, you can figure we'd, it out. yeah, we there there'd be somebody out there that has a computer that can run it. You could figure it out. I wouldn't be able to figure but, it out, but you I could. could figure it out because <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So, but it's it's also kind of like it takes a long time for things to phase out because if it's a CD, like my car, my car is a 2022. It does not have a CD player. Yours is a couple years older, not a lot, but enough to have a CD player, right? I believe it does. Okay. Your next car won't because they just don't do that anymore because all your music comes from Apple Music, you know, or, or what Spotify, whatever your service is. Um, but with that being said, when's the last car on the road that has a CD player going to die, be off the road? 
I bet it's in a really, uh, really long time because there are millions of them out there. But that's an interesting conversation. Uh, I would say the riskier thing is the uh, the th- the the thumb drive. If it was on like a flash drive, because the file type might be something we don't use anymore. I mean, heck, it could be something that Windows can't read if Windows exists in twenty something years, or or mm-hmm. Apple, or whatever. You know, you, you just don't know. Um, but fortunately, it's not like built into the cornerstone or anything. Like w- one example that's kind of reigns for both of us is when they tore down the Cincinnati Gardens. They found that time capsule in the cornerstone, but it was a lot of water damage and stuff to it because, you know, 75 years later, 80 years later, it yeah, water's going to get in it eventually, you know? Um, but this yeah. is actually like in, in an actual um, display box and, you know, it's right there, but I think it's kind of cool, you know? So, yeah. You know, the one thing I want to say too, if you're going to the golden tickets and you're working for a park and you are going to be someone that accepts, should you win? one of the categories, the thing that I remember most about it when I went there, uh, the last time I was there, I went up on the stage to accept uh, for Kings Island, best kids area in the world. And you go up, you shake the hand of the, the person there that announced that you were, you know, the winner, you turn around, you face the crowd and I couldn't see anybody because of the way the darkness and everything, the lighting and all that out there, I couldn't see anybody out there. So that kind of for a second uh, took me by surprise because you expect to see faces, but I couldn't. You know what's funny about the Golden Ticket Awards is I feel like they absolutely cannot make everybody happy. You know, like it's it's very, very rarely, especially like when a new thing wins. Uh, let's say like best new attraction, one that's different every year. There's going to be like 30% of people that are like perfect choice. And then the other 70% are should have been this, you know. You got to have that, though. That's the way it works. That's the beauty of it to get you want those debates. You want it to be spirited. You want people to talk about they think that this one, you know, got gypped and should have won. I I think that's awesome. That's what makes it great. You know, if if everything was hands down, there was no debate, you know, then then why do it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And also it kind of gets boring at times like, you know, when um, Cedar Point won Best Park for decades, it became like you can tune out when that part comes up and then they've. They swipe. They swindled us with the Europa Park thing, and now Europa Park's been winning for five or six years. So that's that's almost not interesting too. But at the same time, um, some of the sub it, who wins the golden tickets is for the parks means a little bit because you can market that to you and I. It doesn't matter. So it'd be interesting to see like, oh, Cedar Point was third last year. But you know what? It it does matter to me because if something is either the winner or even if they're nominated, they're one of the five, maybe 10 that's in the category that's nominated. That makes me, you know, want to look into what that is. It makes me want to go visit that park. So for me, yeah, it does matter. I I want to see who the nominees are and then why they were nominated. And I start to look into it and then I become interested. And next thing you know, I'm at that park. You know, I, I do agree. And honestly, I wasn't super familiar with Europa Park until they won. And I started researching it and I was like, Okay, I can see why this is the best park in the world, you know. But um, what I'm saying is, yeah, you know, Clark Griswold doesn't take take his kids to Wallywood because they won the golden ticket. Now there could have been a PR exposure that led to him going to Dollywood. That's what I think the value is. It's really like, you know, world's best kids area, world's best new ride, twenty twenty three. You know that sort of stuff. That's that's where the marketability comes in. But I'm saying, like, from a layman standpoint, as somebody that's just on the sidelines looking at Amusement Today magazine, I think the real interesting thing is that sometimes the top of the category 
for, you know, best water ride, best dark ride, stuff like that. That doesn't budge a whole lot, but the ones under it get shuffled a lot. And I think that's almost yeah. as interesting nowadays, especially because things like um, Disney usually doesn't get thrown into this mix too much. I just think that their relationship with the industry is unique. So people don't think about that sort of stuff. But Universal, especially, I mean, every time they open a Harry Potter, it's like, where do you put that? Because it could be number one. You know, and if mm-hmm. they, if they like, okay, let's keep Spider Man as number one, put it as number two, but then number five got bumped. You know, so I think that that's um, it, it's yeah. But for me, it's one of those. You know, I'm looking at it, and like, say a park finishes fourth for best uh, food, and I, I look and see what they have, and I'm like, oh, their signature thing is chicken wings, and I like tell my wife, hey, we got to go here. They got chicken wings, and we go for the chicken wings. Maybe not the rides, but because those chicken wings were so good, they got nominated. You know that 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 appeals to me, I and mean, that's that's what uh, I find interesting about um, you know the Golden Ticket Award is not necessarily always the winner. It's you know why did these other parks, you know why did all these parks get nominated? There had to be something about them, and then I want to do some research. I want to find out what it was that got them placed in that category. Yeah, uh, but but I also think that your situation is extraordinarily unique. You know, because I, I don't think that the lay person knows or cares what amusement today is. I think it's very much an industry thing and an enthusiast thing. But again, when it comes down to, uh, you know, Don's Fun World wins best food. You can market that, you know, we we're, we're an award winning food park because of this food or award winning park because of our new ride or whatever. I think that's yeah, that's where the true value is. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's probably three maybe low fours digits worth of people that look at amusement today make purchasing decisions based on the golden tickets but i think the value isn't there it's certainly somewhere else and i think that what they're doing is very very good especially with the fact that um that golden ticket award uh issue the one that comes out in september ish um that one's always loaded and it's like if you get your hands on that that's like christmas if you want reading material you know, as a somebody that yeah. loves the industry, there there are different types of people that love the industry. There's people that um really want to get as many credits as possible and worry about how many credits they have, and you know whether an RMC is what. Now we're we're gonna talk about that in an upcoming yeah, yeah. episode too. We're gonna have our good friend Andrew still one from Stillwell one from Coaster One Hundred One, and we'll talk about credits and why they right, matter right. or don't matter. But but the thing credit, though is, you know, and and there's and they're also the ones that are like, is Orion a Giga that sort of stuff, and that's important to them, and that's that's fine. But to me, and probably to you before you were in the, I mean, I'm certain to you before you're in the industry, I, I love to see what's behind the curtain. I love to see the why and the where and the how, rather than really caring about what's going on. Um, I was more interested in that, Ryan, um, you know, when I really started getting involved uh, in the 1980s, riding the racer over and over again, and all that. When there would be a new ride announced, you know, at that time, there's not social media or the Internet or anything to, to look it up. You had to rely on newspaper articles to find things. But I wasn't as enamored about the statistics of a ride as, as others can get. I wasn't interested if it was a record breaker. That meant nothing to me if the ride experience wasn't great. So I was always more interested in how does it work? You know, what all is involved? You know, what is there before the ride? You know, is there a pre-show? Is there a lot of theming to it? Um, you know, so I was looking for the whole package, kind of like you do. Yeah, I, I, I would completely agree. And I would say that the perfect example of what separates people like us from 
people on the other side of the category and i'm not putting down either side i'm just saying that there is a, a like a stratification to the people that love the parks is uh the perfect example of that is the the jimmy kimmel ride, uh, race through new york at universal the ride itself sucks let's just say it it's it's very bland at a seasonal park it would be pretty good at universal it's not up to par the ride experience though Getting in line, the live entertainment in there, the fact that it looks like NBC, the fact that you feel like you're on The Tonight Show, that is an A-plus experience. So if you like that, if you think that it's worth riding because of this whole thing is awesome, then you probably fall into Arcan. Because I think that's a generalization of where you can have that appreciation. But if you're just like, yeah, the queue's cool, but the ride sucks, like you're probably on the other side of wanting to ride the racer 10,000 times. You know? <laughs> Bad example, since you you know obviously you fall into to this camp more so than that. I had nothing. I had nothing better to do in the eighties, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's why. I, I mean, did you could have. Uh, you could have. You could have. Uh, I don't. What did they do in the eighties? I was born in eighty three. So this is before I was born. <laughs> you could have seen Queen in concert or something. <laughs> no, that's the only no, example I can think just, of. Uh, could have played with your pet rock. The same roller coaster <laughs> over and over again and call it a day. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, that's that's an interesting conversation to be had. And I think we will save that for Andrew Stilwell. Um, but uh, yeah, very interesting. Uh, Golden Ticket Awards. And and not just that. I mean, to further on, on top of that, uh, if Parks do win or if they if they get second place or third place or or whatever, what do they do with it from there? Because one thing that does come to mind is every park that's not foolish has that sign up saying voted world's best uh, steel coaster 2014 through 27, whatever. But Kentucky Kingdom in Louisville, Kentucky is the only one that put up a banner that said voted second best new ride of 2000, whatever, when um, Storm Chaser opened, which to me, I thought that was comical because why would you advertise you're in second place? But I, I think to the average person, they might look at it and be like, I bet a lot of rides open. This is the second best one. Like, I'm happy with that. Uh, and if anything else, it's a conversation piece, really. Like, who's who's no, number I mean, one? I want to go ride that. That really is. I mean, that is something to really be proud of. I mean, there's lots of rides out there and you finish number two. Not a bad place to be. Well, you know, a wise man once said, if you're not first. If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> I know. Ricky Bobby. Oh, Yeah. Reese Bobby actually told Ricky Bobby that. <laughs> That's what his papa always told him. All right. right. Uh, okay. But then later on, they realized, no, you, you don't have to be first. You can be second. You can be fourth. You can be sixth. As long as you compete, that's all that matters. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting way off track here again. Yeah, this this that's has not been a good episode, and I feel like yeah. I see that every time. Okay. All right. So, Don, uh, enough about golden tickets and types of enthusiasts and Jimmy Kimmel. It's time for a segment we like to call the pick six. Why don't you get started? This is, people, this is why people stick with us all the way through the end, Ryan. I've been telling six. people we're giving away Bitcoin at the end of the show, and that's why they stick around. Okay. Well, there, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, starting out number one for the pick six is Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party returned to Disney's Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando. Uh, this fall event offers the Boo to You Halloween parade, live stage shows, Disney's not spo not so spooky spectacular fireworks show, and trick or treating at different candy stops. Now I've done this event. Uh, I thought it was was outstanding. 
Um, so much to see, so much to do. Uh, you know, the show that they had was was really good uh, in front of the castle. Uh, the fireworks were great. The parade was fun and engaging. Uh, so, Ryan, have you ever you ever experienced this event, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party? I have not. Um, I'm actually going to be down there during the event, though. Um, on the fence, gotta do it. I, I, I want to. It's very expensive, but gotta you're right. It. I mean, they have that show, isn't it? Sanderson Sisters from Hocus Pocus are the host of the Sanderson Sisters. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's 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 very it's a very engaging show, high energy. Um, it's so much fun watching it. And then you know the trick or treat stops. I mean, you get good candy. I mean, it was, it was I good. am, I am definitely in it for the candy. Uh, we're particularly excited about seeing the decorations and stuff like that, which we will be able to see during the day. I think well magic done. King- well done. They're, they're blended in. They don't, you know, take away from the Disney experience, but I mean, they're kind of, you know, blended in there. Um, the atmosphere is good. Uh, yeah. I, but if you're going to be down there, Ryan, you got to do it. Yeah, I, I'm definitely, uh, I'm trying to justify it with uh, the rest of my group. We are doing Halloween Horror Nights. Um, we're doing a VIP tour of that. I'm sure we'll do a whole episode talking about Horror Nights and stuff. Uh, but particularly excited about that. Uh, maybe we'll be able to justify it. Uh, we're we're there in the early season, and we could probably go during the week. I know that they're, they don't do it on like Monday and Tuesday, but maybe like a Wednesday wouldn't be terribly pricey. And uh, we'll have to check it out. I'll, I'll take a bunch of photos and video for us, you know? Yeah. You'll love yeah, it. absolutely. All right. Story number two. Uh, so we have good news for Disney. And then we have bad news for Universal. So Universal's Hogwarts Express, which is the train ride uh, that runs between studios and Islands of Adventure, deeply immersive with a um, with a Harry Potter theme. Uh, that is going to be closed from December 10th through the 16th, 2023. And that's right before the Christmas rush. So they're probably trying to get it out of the way. Uh, it seems like it's uh, it's typical maintenance. I know that this has happened before. I've heard of it closing for a few days. Um, this thing runs all day, every day, all the time. Got to replace that cable, got to replace that motor, something like that. So taking about six days to get that fixed. Um, I should note though, um, that this particular ride is a unique experience in which it does go to the various parks. So if you want to experience this, not between December 10th and the 26th of 2023, because it'll be closed. But any other time, you have to have the two-park ticket, the, the, their version of the park hopper to, to ride in between. Now, you rode this, didn't you, when we were down uh, down there for IAPA? Oh, I've done it many times. It's uh, you know, it's a nice, convenient transport between Universal Studios and Universal Islands of Adventure. So, you know, as you mentioned, you need a two-park ticket, but it's a great way to get transported between the two, but if not, why it's going to be down December 10th through the 16th, it proves the theory everywhere is walking distance. If you have the time. Yep. And every pizza is a personal pan pizza. If you believe in yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, you know, the timing of it. I mean, no matter what time of the year that they do this, it's going to inconvenience somebody, you know, somebody's gonna be disappointed with it. Uh, But, at least it's right before the big holiday rush that they have from mid-December all the way uh, to the first of the year. Completely agree. Yeah, there's no great time to do this, but if you had to pick a time, this is that time, you know? All right, what's next? Well, what's that? We've announced a complete 2023 Halloween Horror Nights lineup, and this is, you know, Universal Studios Hollywood, not the one in Orlando, but the one out in California. Um, They've uh, got uh, reimagining of one of their uh, attractions, Evil Dead Rise theme scare, and offering frightening haunted houses 
dubbed Monstruos. I'm going to call it Monstruos, uh, the monster of Latin America, and Holidays in Hell. The event will also include Terror Tram, the Exterminators, and uh, details on each of these shows is available on their website. Uh, check it out. You know, all the attention goes to uh, the Halloween event in Orlando, but uh, you know, this one's pretty good too. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's on par. I, I know that in Orlando, uh, it's nothing for them to have a haunted house with a million dollar budget. Um, I challenge you to find another park that has a million dollar budget for their ho- entire Halloween event as far as decor and, you know, all that stuff. But um, one thing that I have noticed about Horror Nights, and we'll probably go into this more in depthly once I'm refreshed with it when I go to the, the Orlando one, is it's not like your typical boo scare haunted house thing. It's more like you're going you're having the experience of being in a movie, you know? So it's less, it's immersive. Yeah, you're right. It's immersive and you are brought into the story. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and but, so I never found it too scary, but it was more like fascinating. And some people would say it's scary. I, I'm a little like immune to it. I'm a 40 year old dude, so I'm not a shrieking 12 year old, you know, but uh, to, to me, it was more like, it's fascinating that they can pull this off and how they can make it look so real. And, um, kind of like, you know, the dark rides at Universal and Disney, where you feel like you're in the movie. That That's the way it felt for me. That was the, the, the main difference. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't put it as a, from my experience with it, not like the scary part of it. You know, I think you're going to find more of the, the scare, you know, if you're at Knott's Berry Farm for their scary farm event than you are at Universal um, for their horror nights. But it, it's really, like I said, well done, very well thought out. Um storytelling at its finest during the Halloween season. Absolutely. All right. So next up, this is uh, story number four, and we have not left Central Florida yet, I might add. Uh, but uh, H2O Water Park. We did. We just did. We went to California. Oh, that's true. We but we were California. talking about Universal, so I, Universal Orlando, so I got thrown off. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, back to Central Florida. H2O Water Park in Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, it's set to host Holiday Nights. And that's going to be uh, an event that begins on November 8th and will run on select nights through December 10th uh, before switching to daily operations from December 13th through the end of the year, December 31st, uh, 2023. Uh, So the events will include a train ride, theme displays, inflatable slides, live entertainment and food and beverage. So I I think that's kind of cool. You don't think of Florida when you think of Christmas, but. I have been down there during kind of the Christmas-ish season, and it just doesn't feel the same. But is this the way that people in in Florida celebrate Christmas, kind of like how we go ice skating and stuff? I mean, do you know? I don't know, you know, because I I don't live there that time of the year. But you're seeing more and more of the different attractions, uh, different uh, parks and that throughout Central Florida, getting more involved and putting on these holiday events. And, uh, you know, there's good reason to do it. It's just like, you know, you only saw a few people, you know, 15, 20 years ago doing Halloween events. Now everybody does them. So it's, uh, it's, it's along those lines. I think you had me at train ride. I had so, you at hello. <laughs> yeah, you had me at train ride there. So I'd have to check it out for that. But it's a nice little place. I know where it's located. Um, you know, it's worth checking out. You know, it's not going to be on par, most likely, you know, some of the, the bigger you know, holiday events in December that you're going to find in the Orlando area. Uh, but definitely worth, you know, checking out. Yeah, uh, completely agree. So that's H2O Water Park in Kissimmee, Florida. 
Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Central Florida, you know it is Kissimmee, Florida, but you'd be wrong. Okay, Don, what's up next? Well, according to a story published earlier this year by U.S. News and World Reports, a pair of Ohio spots are among the 17 best amusement parks in the country. And I'm pretty sure you can guess what those are. You know, we're talking, of course, Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio, and Kings Island in Mason, Ohio, and uh, good reason for both of those parks to to make this list. You look at Cedar Point, you got 70 plus rides, 18 world class roller coasters. Uh, you you've got the re, you know the resort area with the hotels. You can spend you know multiple days there. You know, almost have to. Uh, then you look at Kings Island, some of the best roller coasters in the world there with the Beast. You got Mystic Timbers. You got Orion. You got Diamondback. You got the Racer. Um, you know. Great kids area. So uh, with good reason that both of those parks make that list of the 17 best amusement parks in the country. Yeah. I mean, um, how can you have a top five list of parks in the country and not have Kings Island, Cedar Point, or even likely both on that list? Uh, two parks that offer so much. Uh, Cedar Point, you know, I've talked about that. Uh, to me, uh, the park is great. It really is. But uh, the setting on the beach and Breakers Hotel and the whole complex that is like the campground and stuff, that's what makes it just so special. It has that kind of Disney World feel where you're so disconnected from the rest of the world. Uh, and you're just there on the water and you're riding coasters. And at night, you take a walk on the beach. And I think it's just fantastic. And I mean, yeah. and, and you know, Ryan, if, if you go there specifically for the coasters, and that's all, you know, one track mind, I got to ride all the coasters and that, mm -hmm. you're going to miss that element of it. I, I completely agree. And you know what? The first couple times that I went there, I went with some friends that are like super enthusiasts. And, you know, in their defense, they wanted to make sure that I got to ride everything. And they, they, they did that. Um, and I remember going and thinking like, I had fun, but yeah, you know, I, I don't see myself doing this all the time, but, you know, especially in the past three years when, you know, I've been more so going like with my girlfriend and stuff and we stay at breakers and that whole experience of park by day, beach by night is just, I just got a full new appreciation. I, you just can't do Cedar Point without doing either one of the campgrounds or are doing breakers. Uh, one of the ones on the peninsula breakers express is great, but you're, you're not on the peninsula that way, you know? So, yeah. What's next? All right. Uh, so last one up number six, uh, in an exciting update, uh, photos posted on X, which I'm still getting used to. It's still Twitter to me, uh, by coaster empire shows a, uh, a large uh, tree clearing in the, um, Universal Hollywood area. So I guess we're back there again now uh, for the Fast and the Furious roller coaster. So uh, the Fast and the Furious roller coaster is, I, I guess this means they're not going to get the Fast and the Furious ride that they got at Universal Orlando, which most would consider a win because the one in Orlando is is just panned by everybody. It's very similar to Kong, but not as good. Uh, but a Fast and the Furious roller coaster makes all the sense in the world. What are your thoughts? I agree with you. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we've talked about this over the last few episodes, but it always seems like Universal every week. They've got something that's going on in the news that you and I have to put in this pick six. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. This time it's Hollywood. Hollywood's a smaller park. You know, they don't ruffle as many feathers and stuff uh, as Orlando because Orlando, just like with Disney World, it was built with intention rather than just kind of happening, you know, um, so they have a lot more room and stuff. But Man, uh, the Hollywood thing looks cool, you know, and they've got Super Nintendo World and 
uh, Secret Life of Pets. Those are the two big differences between uh, what the, the things you can't find at Universal Orlando that you can at Hollywood. So uh, I got to make it out there. I've actually never even been to California. So, yeah. Never? I have never been. The furthest I've ever been west is St. Louis. And that was with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still remember that, uh, you know, getting off at the wrong stop on that. What was it? The train or whatever. Like we rode, we got off on the wrong. Yeah. Stop. And then we got off at the wrong stop and we had to trudge through like this retaining wall behind or next to the expressway. We were behind it in darkness in a rather dangerous city at the time. Um, but we made it. We made it. <laughs> we we did make it, but yeah, well, I, mean, I think we we had no choice but to go behind the wall, so we weren't seen. That's true. We like to work under the cloak of darkness. All right, uh, great episode, Don. Any final thoughts? You know, Ryan, it's 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 you know we touched on the beginning with the the different announcements we had for them. We talked about on this episode. There'll be more in the weeks ahead. You know, it's a fun time of the year because everybody gets excited about what's new. It also is a little bit of a sad time of year because all the parks are slowing down with the daily operation, uh, you know, and you're getting ready for that fall season when it's just weekend. So in that respect, it's a little bit of a sad time of year, but uh, overall, you know, it's fun to talk about all these new things that are coming and, and look toward the future there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, again, um, that's fantastic. And uh, make sure that you follow us on, uh, on, x twitter whatever at attractions underscore grp um you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcast apps apple google spotify and uh watch us on youtube if you haven't search for the attractions group podcast all right and subscribe hit, hit that, that subscribe, subscribe and that like button and comment all right thank you everybody have a good night